Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. So if you have a Bible this morning, would you turn with me over to 1 Timothy? We're going to eventually get to 1 Timothy, I promise. Um, but we're going to get there by way of a few other verses. And so I just want to ask if you would to just keep your thumb right there in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Um, I've wrestled with today what to share with you, knowing that we were going to have um, some of our, our teaching staff here, some of our admins here, and um, just tried to figure out what God wanted to say to us today. And um, something the Lord actually stirred in me um, this week is uh, what is it that we are doing with each of our individual lives? I think that's a question that as we wrestle with that, we get to hear the Lord speak into that and then discover the paths that he has for us each and every single day. And we'll get to 1 Timothy, so stay there. But I want to start with this scripture this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Here Paul writes about what God is doing and what God has done and actually the future as well. Paul says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. There are some times that I go back to this passage of Scripture and I just read it asking the Lord, What is it that you are doing? Or what is it that you actually have prepared? And for uh, quite a while, I actually thought that this was about the future. That this was what God had prepared for us in the future. You're thinking of what Jesus said in John 14. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And then I'm going to take you to be with me in that place. And so I'd always thought that this passage of Scripture was talking about the place that Jesus had actually prepared for us. But if you were to read the next scripture in this, Paul actually talks about, um, in this passage, uh, verse 10, he says, we know these things because God revealed them to us by his spirit. And so if we really take this scripture and we put it into the context of what Paul is writing about here in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, we discover that this is not only a declaration for what God has prepared for us in heaven, But this is actually something that we can live out and experience in the here and in the now. And so being a part of the kingdom of God that absolutely is a future kingdom, but is very much a present kingdom for the right here and the right now, we can discover Paul's writing, what Paul has written here for right now as well. No eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who actually love Him. 
What we have to realize is that our life can make a very real difference in the eternal realm as we live right now in tandem with God's will. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined the things that God actually wants to do right now in all of our lives. And we have to grasp the reality that our life 100% can absolutely make a difference if we live in tandem with God's will. So what we then have to discover in going with the next question that we would ask God, if this is true for our lives, and it is true for our lives, then why has God put you in the family that God has put you in? Why has God put you in the job surrounded by the people that you are in? Why has God placed you in the neighborhood that he has placed you in? Why does God let you shop where you shop or the restaurant of where you frequently go? Why has God allowed your steps to be the steps that they actually are? It's because he has decided that he wants you to make a difference in the eternal realm as you live, that's now, in the present, in tandem with God's will. We are not only living for the future promise of heaven, but we are living right now so that as we walk in God's will, we're making a difference in the eternal realm with those that he has surrounded us with. God did not save you just for you. God brought you into his kingdom so that through that invitation, as you walk in his will, he would stir inside of you a desire to bring others along with you. And if we are living in the family that God has placed us in, if we're working in the jobs where God has placed us, if we're living in the neighborhood where God's allowed us to live, and we shop and we eat at the places that God has us to go in, then what we have to realize is there are others that has not realized this present reality of Jesus' presence in their lives. And the reason that he has you where he has you is so that as you bring his presence with you into that moment, others would be attracted first to him instead of attracted to us. And we get this flip-flop sometimes, and we think we've got to win others to us so that we can win others to Jesus. And what we should be doing is leading others to Jesus and stop trying to win other people to ourselves. We're winning people for his kingdom. We're not winning people for our own kingdoms. We are inviting them to receive that which we first received from him. Do you remember the little fairy tale? I, de I debated throughout this week in, in whether to share this with you or not. And I thought I would get a couple people to come and help me with this fairy tale. But what, what I kept going back to in this fairy tale is, yep, this is absolutely right to talk about it here today. Do you remember Little Rabbit Foo-Foo? 
Do you remember, did you get the two little fingers with the little rabbit foo-foo? Or I think I call it little bunny foo-foo. It's all kinds of different versions of this. And you had all the little different rabbits. You had all the different bunnies. And you you sang this as little rabbit foo-foo. I don't want to see you hopping through the forest. Or something like that. I forget how it goes. It's little rabbit foo-foo hopping through the forest, scooping up the field mice. And what? Bopping them on the head. You remember that? And then what happened after little, little rabbit or little bunny foo-foo did that? Then down came the good fairy. And then the good fairy said, little rabbit foo-foo, I don't want to see you. Hopping through the forest or whatever and, you know, popping them on the head and, and all of that stuff. So we, we've got this fairy tale in our mind of this little bunny that's it's going all through the forest, and he just discovers these field mice, and he picks them up, and he bops them on the head. What did he do after he bopped them on the head? They didn't tell us that part. But So this is bunny. He's just popping these field mice on the head. He's just going through, picks them up, and bops them on the head. So as I wrestled with this passage of Scripture, and as I wrestled with where we're going here in 1 Timothy, it hit me the reason some of us don't live up to the life that God has ordained for us is because we treat God like little rabbit foo-foo. And we go through our lives like these little field mouse and we're just living our life and we think, we think God is little rabbit foo-foo. And when we step out of line, we're scared what God is going to do is scoop us up and bop us on the head. And so what happens is the enemy paralyzes us And we don't want to move because we think, man, if I go left and God wanted me to go right, then what's going to happen is God's going to be like little rabbit foo-foo. He's going to pick me up and he's going to bop me on the head. So I'm going to be safe and I'm not going to get bopped on the head and I'm just going to stay right here, right where I'm at. Listen, if that is the fear that you have in your life, and if you are worried that every time you step out of line, God's going to pick you up and bop you on the head, then that is a lie of the enemy, and he has caused you to become paralyzed. And if that's how you're living, you can never achieve the full potential of what it means to live in the kingdom of God. Listen, God is our Savior, and God has a plan for us, but a part of that plan is to live in the kingdom of God, achieving the full potential that He has for us, and we have to stop living in fear, and we have to start, uh, 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 we have to stop living in fear, and we have to start moving to achieve the potential that God has for us. So how is it that we do that? How is it that we get past this fear that the enemy has instilled in us? And how is it that we reach this potential? The Apostle Paul modeled this for us in his relationship with Timothy. Paul didn't live in the fear of doing the wrong thing and worried about getting bopped on the head like the little field mice. Paul didn't walk around tiptoeing or isolated right where he was at, but instead Paul moved forward in the potential that God had for him, making sure that he was living up to the potential that God had envisioned for him in investing in Timothy's life. The way that we as a church, the church as a whole, are able to walk in the fullness of the kingdom of God now is when young and old join together to pursue the will of God. 
What the enemy wants us to do, though, is to begin to isolate ourselves. The enemy wants to divide our groups. And he wants us to have this group. And he wants us to have this group. And he wants us to have this group. And we've got all of these groups that are not joined together. And then when we get in the little groups, we start to build our own little barriers and we think, okay, this is where God wants us. But that's not what Paul modeled in his relationship with Timothy. What Paul modeled in his relationship with Timothy was the old joining with the young to make sure that everybody was achieving the full potential that God actually had for Timothy and then through others. Here's three scriptures that I want to share with you just quickly to support the young and the old joining together. Here in Psalm 147, verse 3 through 7, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Listen to this. One generation will commend your works to another. Does that... Does the psalmist here say we're going to have a group over here that just works exclusively within the confines and the age groups of this? No, no, no. Does he say there's a younger group or another group over here that's just going to stick with them? No. He said one generation will commend your works to another. That's not the older exclusively to the younger. It's everybody united in this. The next one is Psalm verse 71. I'm sorry, Psalm chapter 71. 71 verse 17 and 18 since my youth O god you have taught me and to this day i declare your marvelous deeds even when i'm old and gray do not forsake me O god till i declare your power to the next generation your might to all of those who come in ephesians 3:20. now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in christ jesus throughout all generations throughout all generations forever and ever amen God never intended for his children to walk through life alone. I'll say that again so that you can grasp God's desire for us as his children. He never intended for us to walk through life alone. He united us like family so that as we are united, we are able to tell of his marvelous deeds from generation to generation, so that as we have proclaimed the goodness of God, those who have not experienced will walk in the promises and be drawn first to him. What I believe God is doing right now is that he desires to work across generational lines so that as we are united in the church the world starts to see there's something different about those who love Jesus and walk in his promises God is uniting us and we have to stop letting the enemy divide and separate us and when we know what the enemy is doing and when we know the enemy's desire is to divide us, then we'll be able to identify it when we see it, call it out, and call him out for the liar that he is and says, no, 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 that's not the enemy. You are a liar and you are defeated and we are going to walk in the unity that God has across generational lines. 
So we see this in Paul and Timothy's life. We see this modeled over and over and over again since Paul and Timothy. And where the Lord began stirring this in me this week, I posted this on Facebook, and and some of you, you may have seen this on Facebook. The pastor that I was called to ministry under, that taught me the majority of what I know about pastoral ministry, passed away this week. It was was a shock. It was not expected. Very quick, um, very, very quick illness. Jackie Gann went to Gulf Coast Bible College. He's from Poplar Bluff, Missouri. He came back, and there uh, he pastored a little church in Lilburn, Missouri, and he fought hard while he was there. While he was there, I was the ripe, all-knowing age of 15 years old and was called to ministry under under his ministry. And in that... Pastor Gann, who had no, had no children, um, and I had, didn't have a dad that was present in my life, he just took me under his wing, and everywhere that he went is where I went. He taught me what it was like to go pray for people in the hospital. He taught me what it was like, to, to everything you can imagine. He, he just kept me with him for hours and hours and hours and hours. And so as the Lord was preparing, for, preparing me for this Sunday, and as I walked through that this past week, the Lord began to show me how the enemy is dividing the generations. But what Paul did to Timothy was did not let that age gap divide them. What Jackie Gann did in my life is not let the age gap divide us, but instead we were united as brothers in Jesus Christ There have been countless others since Jackie Gann and before Jackie Gann that poured into my life despite age differences. Pastor Gary is one of those who for seven years, him and Ken Love, have served as mentors to me. Tom Bates was a a big part of that as well. My grandmother was a big part of that. Uh, Gene Guerra, our pastor in Jacksonville. I could go on and on, and you all could do the same. If we were to talk this morning, we were to go around the room, you could talk about people who brought you under their wing and who mentored you in the faith. And if you've not had that, then I want to fix that, and I want to make sure that we are seeing God's work God work across generational lines so that we walk forward in the unity that God has for us that we've seen in these scriptures and we see in Paul and Timothy's lives. So, all of that to get us to 1 Timothy. If you have a Bible this morning, if you'll turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4, I generally read from the NIV But this morning, I'm going to read from the message. You can can follow along, because there's a couple of things here in the message that I want to point out. We're going to read uh, through chapter 4 and the first two verses of chapter 5. This is Paul, who is writing to a younger Timothy, who Paul met initially on his first missionary journey, and Paul brought him under his wing to raise him and to mentor him. This is what Paul writes to Timothy. You've been raised on the message of faith. This is verse 6 of chapter 4. You've been raised on the message of faith and have followed sound teaching. Now pass on this counsel to the Christians there. And you will be a good servant of Jesus. Do you catch what Paul is... We'll stop there. Do you catch what Paul is, is there saying to Timothy? 
He said, I, Tim, I, Paul, have poured into you Timothy. I have done this intentionally across a lot of lines, and we'll look at some of those lines. And what Paul is saying is, I did not do this just for the sake of you, Timothy. I want you to now begin to pour into other people because it's never about the relationship with us. The relationship here for us horizontally with all of us is always about the relationship with him for all of us. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy to do here. Verse 7, stay clear. I love this. I love this verse. And this is why I'm reading this in the message. Stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. (laughs) Isn't that great? Stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. I mean, we, we have, we've done good with silly stories that get dressed up like religion. We've, we've done good with that whenever it comes to working across barriers that the world and the enemy has brought into our lives. And we look at those barriers and we think, Mm-mm, I'm not going to be able to cross that barrier because this is the camp in which I am in. This is, this is who I am. This is, this is where God actually has me. But Paul says, stay clear of silly stories. I think that's what they tried to teach us in Veggie Tales, right? And they come out and they're telling us the silly stories. And Paul says, stay clear of the silly stories. That's what Larry and Bob are, t- are in essence, telling us as kids. Stay clear of all the silly stuff. Stay clear of the stuff that doesn't matter. Stay clear of the stuff that doesn't lead you deeper into the presence of Jesus Christ. Verse 7, stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. Exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. Workouts in the gymnasium are useful. But discipline life in God is far more so, making you fit day and day. You can count on this, Timothy. Take it to heart. This is why we've thrown ourselves into this venture so totally. We're banking on the living God, Savior of all men and women. Get the word out. Teach these things. And don't let anyone put you down because you're young. Teach believers with your life. Word by your words, by your demeanor, by your love, and by faith, and by integrity. Verse 13. Stay at your post reading scripture, giving counsel and teaching. And that special gift of ministry you were given when the leaders of the church laid hands on you and prayed for you. Keep that dusted off and constantly in use. Cultivate these things. Immerse yourself in these things. The people will all see you mature right before their eyes. Keep a firm grasp on your character and your teaching. Don't be diverted. Keep at it. Both you and those who hear you will experience salvation. Two verses in chapter 5. Don't, listen here, don't be harsh or impatient with older men. Talk to him as you would your own father. And let the younger men, and treat the, the younger men as your brothers. Reverently honor an older woman as you would your mother, and the younger women as your sisters. Do you catch the message of what Paul is saying there to someone much younger than him, that he is mentoring him in the faith? He said, God is working across generational lines. You have to treat the older men and the, younger, the older women and the younger women, and the younger men, so that they are like your brothers and sisters and your mothers and fathers. Paul is reminding Timothy 
that there is a move of God across generational lines. And here we are some 2,000 or so years later, and God is still working across generational lines. But we stand in the division and the separation of the enemy. And because we get caught up in silly stories that identify themselves as religion, and we're scared that God is going to scoop us up like the field mouse and bop us on the head, we don't call out the lies and the darkness from the enemy. Hear me, Whitechapel Church. God is calling us deeper into His presence so that when we see these lies and the darkness from the enemy, we have to be on the forefront of calling these things out to make sure that we have paved the way to walk in the path that God has for us or that as we, as we walk in the path that God has paved for us, that we see the move of God continually to work across enemy lines. But you know what? Timothy had a problem. Timothy had a big, big problem. And Paul didn't let it stop him. Timothy's problem it can be found in Acts chapter 16. This is when we discover Timothy in Scripture. And here, Paul says, I came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived. Here's, Paul's, here's Timothy's problem. Whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. Timothy had a problem. Not only was Timothy much younger, but Timothy was part Jewish and Timothy was, was part Greek. And the Jews and the Greek didn't get along too well, to, to, to sum it up a little bit. But what Paul did is he was very intentional in Timothy's life, raising him up so that Timothy was able to reach the full potential that God had designed for him. Paul didn't care if he was part Jewish or part Greek. He had experienced that for his life. He had run across these people. And let me tell you, when we experience people that are part Jew and part Greek, or we experience people that are much older or much younger than us, it doesn't matter, because here's what I know. It does not matter if you are a believer or a non-believer. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, red, blue, or green. You will never look in the eyes of anybody that God does not love. But what we do is we step back, and we build our barriers, and we operate within our silly stories that are disguised as religion, and we don't call out the lies, and we don't call out the darkness from the enemy. Paul was very intentional to cross generational and ethic lines so that he poured into the life of Timothy and pastored him, mentored him, so that he was able to reach the full potential that God had for him. And then what we see in Timothy is the greatness, the extraordinary life that Timothy was able to, leave, to, to live because he had Paul raise him up in the faith. Philip Yancey, a great, great Christian author, wrote these lessons from Timothy's life. He wrote them as questions. 
He said, Timothy lived up to his name to honor Jesus. The question is, do you live up to the name, the new name that Jesus has given to you? Timothy was a disciple, and he in turn discipled others regardless of their background or their age, and he passed on the baton of faith. The question is, do you pass on the baton of faith to others? Timothy became the Robin with Batman, who was Paul, and together they changed the world for Jesus as superheroes of the faith. The question is, are you a superhero of the faith? Are you ashamed of Jesus in the places that God has planted you? Timothy kept his heart in connection with God and therefore left a legacy of faith for others to follow. The question from Philip Yancey, are you doing this with your life? Timothy affirmed Paul's example to others and showed how young and old can work together to point people to Christ-likeness. So the question is, are you bridging the generational gap for the glory of God? Listen, church. The enemy wants to divide our generations. And the enemy wants our generations to build up their own camps so that we have no relationship with each other. And we've allowed that to slip into the church. We've allowed that division from the enemy to fly inside of our boundaries. And we have to call it out. And we have to speak against it. And we have to stop it from operating. Too many times I read or I hear that the church is dying. Too many times I hear that because of the millennials, the future of the church is in question. And I'll tell you, it's not the millennials' church. I'll tell you, it's not generation X, Y, or Z, or all the way back to letter A's church. Jesus said, it is my church, and I will build my church. And we have a responsibility, not to anybody other than to God, to make sure that we get out of the boundaries and out of the barriers so that every generation falls in love with Jesus. Listen, I don't want the millennials or whatever the next one is, Z and all of the ones, I don't want them to fall in love with Whitechapel. I want them to fall in love with Jesus Christ. Because when they fall in love with Jesus Christ, then they will see what we're doing for white. I don't want people to fall in love with what we do inside of here. I want what we do inside of here to go out there so that they fall in love with Jesus. The future of the church is bright because it's his church and he died for it. And as long as we do it his will, it will always be victorious. Now listen, I'm not saying, I am not saying that we compromise truth. That is not at all what I am suggesting here today. 
What I am suggesting here today is that there is a world that is dying and going to hell. And as long as we are debating the color of carpet or what type of music that we sing inside of these walls, the world that's dying and go to hell will never fall in love with Jesus Christ. This has to be our desire, and this has to be at the forefront of everything that we do because Islam is sweeping this world, and there are liars from the enemy that are deceiving people with what they believe is truth, and I'll promise you they don't care what the color of the carpet is, and they don't care what color of music or what type of music that we sing. What they care about is filling the emptiness inside of them, and there is nothing that can fill that emptiness other than the love of Jesus Christ. We have the answer, and the world needs it, and we have to stop the generational and racial barriers and make sure that we are moving forward with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So Paul and Timothy have something for every single one of us. Paul and Timothy have something that we have to get inside of us so that we can live it out every single day of our lives. So how is it that we do that? How do we take what Paul and Timothy had? How do we take what we see in the early church and apply it to our lives? I think that there are four words that are important for us. We have to respect each other. We have to embrace each other. We have to disciple each other. And we have to love each other. If we can focus on these four things, then I promise you personal preferences and barriers from the world will immediately be torn down and silenced in our lives. We have to see people for who God created them to be. And if they are lost and undone, no matter where they're at, no matter where they've been, then that has to stir inside of us a hunger for them to experience the presence of Jesus. And the way that we do that is by respecting them, embracing them, having a willingness to disciple them, and loving them. If we will do these four things, then we will stop focusing on silly stories that are disguised as religion, and we will start moving forward with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mark Cahill, in his book, One Thing That You Can't Do in Heaven, writes this, 300 million years from now, what will be the only thing that will matter? Will it matter how much money you made? Will it matter what kind of car you drive? Will it matter who won the NCAA football and basketball titles this year? Will it matter who took you to the homecoming dance? 300 million years from now, the only thing that will matter is who's in heaven and who is in hell. And if that is the only thing that will matter 300 million years from now, that should be one of our greatest concerns today. Because Jesus tells us in Matthew eleven eighteen, 18, the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. 
if it is of the most importance for Jesus to reach to the lost, then shouldn't it be our importance as well? The real question then is this. What are you doing of significance today that will matter 300 million plus years from now? What will matter from all that you did? From all the money that you made? All the places that you've lived? All the areas where you stepped your feet? All everywhere that you worked? And everybody that you had relationships will now. What will matter 300 plus million years from now? It'll be those Timothys that you've poured into their lives. So this is my charge to you, church. Find somebody. Find somebody that's 10, 20, 30 years younger than you that you just pour into their lives and you take every bit of Jesus inside of you and you do everything possible to get that inside of them. If there's not enough Jesus inside of you, then it starts here. So that as you are pouring into somebody 10, 20, 30 years younger, that you are seeing something that is going to matter in 300 plus million years from now. Live on. And you know what? Those teachers that stood up a little bit earlier, they do it every single day on the south side of our campus. And if you need somebody 10, 20, 30 years younger than you to pour into, they walk in these walls Monday through Friday, starting a week from tomorrow. And in 300 plus years, or 300 plus million years from now, what's going to matter is how well we poured into their lives to make sure that every bit of Jesus inside of us gets inside of them. And so if you don't have anybody, then I want to challenge you. This week, step out and contact the school office and say, you know what, I don't work on Mondays. I don't have anything to do on Mondays, but I'm willing to come down and I'm willing to do whatever you need me to do so that I make sure that I've got a Paul and Timothy relationship to pour into those students. Or maybe you say, well, education's not my thing. We do it at a thrift store Monday through Saturday. And there are people that are lost and undone and they're searching for the answers and we've got the answers and they just need somebody to pour into them. So maybe this week is the week that you say, I don't have anything to do on this Tuesday. I don't have anything to do on Wednesday. Or I've got every Thursday free. Or I've got this free. I've got this. Listen, God has blessed you with that time, not so that you can enjoy it, but so that you can pour into other people. God's given you that time. It's a gift from God so that as you walk forward in the promises of God, you will experience the rest, the fulfillment, and the joy that you're actually searching for, trying, sitting on the couch and holding the remote and trying to watch the news station. I almost didn't say that. But listen, the responsibility is big, it's a big job. 
But God has prepared us for it. God has readied us for this mission. And the time is now for us to discover the Timothys that God has for us to pour into so that we will see generational and racial and whatever other barriers there are torn down and we walk forward as children of God in the path that he has prepared for us. Let me leave you with this scripture. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, Paul says, submit to one another out of a reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of a reverence of Christ. If the Holy Spirit has tugged on your heartstrings this morning, then this is the morning for you to say, God, I'm ready to submit first to you and then to submit to those that are around me. I don't care what barriers there might be. I don't care the differences there might be. I don't even care about personal preferences. I don't care if they like my stuff or I don't like that. None of that matters. We're going to go forward together in this. And so if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you this morning, then what I want to challenge you to do here in just a moment is to step out from where you're at and spend a moment in commitment to Him, submitting to Him first, So that as we walk forward in the steps that he has paved for us, we will do it bringing him glory. Or maybe the Holy Spirit brought to your mind a face or a name or someone this morning that is to be your Timothy. Or maybe the Holy Spirit stirred in you. You've got to find that Timothy that you get to pour into their life and get all of the Jesus out of you into them and all that God has for them that they walk in the fullness of God's plan for them. If that's the case, then don't just stand here this morning when we sing in just a minute and then turn and walk out of here. God brought that to your mind so that as as you at the end of this service make that commitment, he starts to reveal some things to you so that you walk in the fullness of the path that he has planned for you. The song that we sing at the end is a time of commitment. And so I'm asking you to make that commitment to him. That you're going to tear down the barriers that the enemy has caused to divide us. And you're going to be committed to him and move forward in the steps that he has for you. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's Word together. Until next time, have a great week.